Pour another cup of coffee and settle in for Christ-centered conversation. It's Mornings with Kelly and Steve. Well, Kelly, I am very, very excited because we've got things worked out with Ann Dryberg, and she is joining us now. Uh, she's a biblical counselor. She has been in the mission field uh, helping women uh, understand, really, from a biblical perspective, how do we move through life? Been doing that for 30 years in Belgium, but she is also the author of a great book called The Emotionally Abusive Husband, mm-hmm. Its Effects, and How to Overcome Them in Christ. And thank you so much for your patience with us this morning and, and joining up with us. I know you are several hours ahead over there, and uh, we're very excited that we're able to begin the conversation today. Well, thank you for having me and being so gracious. Well, thank you. Well, you know, tell us, this is a uh, a reissue of a previously uh, published work, but this is highly updated with great information in it. Why is this conversation so important to have right now? Uh, the work I do, I, I, I said, I live in a country of Belgium, and this is uh, very much a hierarchical culture. And, and I do a lot of work with women. And when I first went around, when I, the first book released, I was really looking into how can you help women who are being oppressed or in oppressive relationships. And the, so the, that was, it was a dissertation. So this book now that has been reworked and it's really written in a practical way with questions and answers that end most of the chapters to try and help women really know what's going on in my life, what the dynamics here and how can, how can the Lord help me in my situation? You know, and I think that too often when we think of emotional abuse, that maybe that is not taken seriously as true abuse. I think some people have it in their minds that abuse means that someone is laying their hands on someone else in a violent right. manner. Would you give us a description of what emotional abuse looks like and, and why that is truly abuse? A lot of the time when it gets to physical abuse, um, what's understood to be emotional abuse is already there. And I agree with you. I've heard many times from people that if they're not hitting, it's not abuse. And that's the, the suffering in emotional abuse is, is terrible. I mean, it's uh, the abuser, uh, so the perpetrator, they're relating to the, the victim in all different kinds of ways to try and control them, intimidate them, subjugate them, punish them, isolate them. And the result is the victim goes along with that, uh, with the tricks that are used, they'll end up being emotionally, behaviorally, and mentally dependent on on the abuser. And that's a that's a very horrible place to be because there's a lot of suffering for for whoever's involved. You know, and this is uh, it's vitally important that we understand that many times women who go to the church, they go to church leadership, they go to uh, whether it's the pastor or deacon or they're an elder, they go to someone who they trust and they bring forth the trouble that is happening that they're experiencing perhaps behind closed doors that nobody is seeing openly and out in the public. And often they are told simply, you know, be a good wife, submit right. in these situations, which is awful, terrible advice. Uh, it's inappropriate. And, you know, the Lord does not want any person to suffer, much less a wife at the hands of a husband or for someone in a relationship, uh, perhaps even dating relationship, 
to be in a position where they are being abused. How do we deal with that? What are some of the effects of of emotional abuse that you see, and how is it packaged that it sometimes goes unnoticed? Right, I agree with you. That's the reason I started studying this was people were saying, wives, be submissive. And and I was and there must be, be better answers than that if you take the Bible as a whole. And um, as biblical counselors, you always want to understand who, who is this person in front of me, what are they going through, who are they, what's going on in their lives. And if, if people, like you're just saying, in the church want to be aware of, of someone who's suffering emotional abuse, there are a number of typical effects that you'll see. For example, confusion. They, they won't understand what's going on, why they're being treated the way they are. Uh, they'll be starting to doubt their own abilities to reason, the trust or perception of life. They'll be living in fear, fear of uh, what the, uh, the abuse is going to do to them or uh, what other people are going to do to them. They'll feel guilt because they'll be accepting the blame for the abuser's behavior or treatment because abusers think if you'd behave the way you should have, you, you should have. I would not treat you that way. Don't be worried. Um, uh, what's going to happen? How the, how, what if I can't look after myself? What if he he does whatever? A, a big one will be a, a ch- she becomes inhibited. So you could have had this vibrant person who through time has become withdrawn and inhibited. You'll see maybe a huge change in who she is. That'd be some a, a major red flag. Anger, maybe the person wasn't angry before, she'll be angry at herself, the abuser, maybe other people for not helping. Shame, thinking there's something wrong with me, why uh, am I not loved and other people are. And then uh, two things incredibly important, the change mental state. She's going along with the, the mind games of an abuser, her way of thinking will change and she will become emotionally, behaviorally and mentally dependent on the abuser. And this is where the, some people talk about the brain fog, they can't think clearly, they're confused, they can't concentrate. Um, I've even had people themselves say that when they were at this position, they were zombie-like. So the, if you see this in someone in the church, you could see this big change and you might think, well, look at, look at her and maybe the abuser looks like a super spiritual, got it all together person. But you get to know, okay, what's going on in her life that she's like this? Mm-hmm. Um, physical ailments because we're interconnected if if she's living in this guilt worry, fear, shame for any length of time it will affect her physically like headaches, stomach aches high blood pressure loneliness, being separated from from, separated is not the right word not having the the relationship with her husband that she wanted when she married and lack of other people that understand sorrow, depression if you the sorrow of of the grievous way she's being treated, and then depression, living in sorrow, grief, fear, anger, guilt for for any length of time can lead to depression. So these are all things that you can look out for, and and it's horrible to be living in this way. And these are all issues as well that there are answers in scripture for how to help people, which is a much richer and deeper answer than um, submission, as as you said before. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to, to to ask you about this too because I think um, with emotional abuse, you know, you mentioned it can really be bewildering. You you get married to someone, yeah. you expect to be treated as you know an equal, their other half, to be loved, and then suddenly things 
turn in such a horrific way. And I think especially in the church when that happens, if that continues to escalate, it can ultimately lead to the person who's being emotionally abused to doubting God. How can we as the church come alongside that woman who is being emotionally abused to help her just, I guess, be steady on on a, a foundation that's not going to feel like it's on shifting sand? Uh, um, being with her, being faithful, even when she's fearful, upset, even when the, the abuser won't like uh, people being alongside her and knowing what's going on, to stick by her even when he's upset, uh, especially men, to stick by her, that completely changes the dynamic of the relationship. Not saying it changes him, but it changes the dynamic of the relationship. Uh, the compassion of Christ, knowing that we're all on an equal plane about our heart issues. To, to, to help her, to help her practically, maybe with childcare. She doesn't have enough finances. Um, babysitting, uh, help, helping input what's true in Christ, who is she in Christ, helping her see herself, who she is in, in the Lord. And if she's accepting things that from Him that are not true, to, to help her bring her to what is true in Christ. And what's true in Christ brings life, which is very different to, what, to what's being said to her, the way that she's been treated. It's a huge topic, not only uh, in our culture, in society at large, but in our Christian life, inside of the church. Uh, Emotional abuse is a a difficulty, and that does include other forms of abuse, Anne, doesn't it? When we look at emotional abuse, it's, it's connected to some other things as well. What are some of those things that emotional abuse is connected with? Do you mean in the church itself or in other aspects? Well, just in general, because emotional abuse often can lend itself to a physical abuse. There could be a spiritual right. abuse that is attached to that, or a sexual right. abuse. Um, what What are those things that kind of come along in this entire package when we have right. a conversation around emotional abuse? I, I've My books focus on emotional abuse, or it, it could also be called psychological abuse, mm. which is about power and control over someone else. If you then take sexual abuse or physical hitting, almost guaranteed the, these uh, emotional or psychological abuse will be there as well because it's all about power and control. Mm. So if someone's being hit or someone's being sexually abused, be important to look for these the effects of emotional abuse in their life and helping them also to know how to respond to someone in a in a Christian way to to someone who's trying to have power and control over them and then what you mentioned spiritual abuse that gets complicated because of church structures and um, authority structures but the same um, how can you help people respond in a Christian way the biblical way to people having inappropriate, even sinful power and control over them. Wow. And I wanted to ask you, because I was reading an article, it's been years ago now, and it, it still to this day uh, leaves me curious in this regard, and that would be that what, what I read is that when you are in a relationship with someone who has become emotionally abusive and maybe abusive in other ways, but this was specific to emotional abuse, um, that oftentimes women who are involved in that relationship, and we do know, I want to make it clear to all of you listening, yes, we do know emotional abuse can be a two-way street. Women can inflict it as much as men can. But what I wanted to ask you about, Anne, is what uh, some of the research was showing in the article that I read said that oftentimes um, 
women who enter into a marital relationship with someone who is emotional abusive, they see no sign of that coming until after they say, I do, and they are married, and That's then correct. things suddenly change. What are, what are some things that we might look for um, in any relationship that might be red flags to tip us off that this could be a problem coming? Um, I, I don't want to offend any woman out there. I'm a woman myself. I know that w- there is a tendency in a lot of women to want to be loved and cherished and taken care of and uh, they want to love their uh, husband. Some women think, I'm talking about when they do see things, they might think when I'm married and I love him, he'll change, my love will change him, right? A lot of the time when it comes to abusive, abusers can be charming. They can sweep you off your feet. Um, And then they might not see it because of that. So I I would ask someone to think, when you disagreed, how did they respond to you? Did they listen to you? Did they, uh, if you were upset, how did they respond? How did they respond to your opinion? Do you, do they try? Do did they let you have an opinion, or did they make you change it according to theirs? Uh, some talk about manipulation here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do you resolve conflict if uh, if there's a difference of opinion or a choice to be made? Um, how often is it yours? that gets decided you see that i'm talking here about respect for the woman right Uh, yeah so in that you know there there are times where um people are motivated by different things you know right uh, so so one person may have an underlying fear of something that causes them to have a desire for the control another person right. may have a differing fear and they may re- react in a completely different way we have that kind of attachment where you've got that push and pull one moves toward the other and then one retreats and that right. can build itself into an abusive situation but when abuse manifests itself what are some of the types of abuses that come forth what are some of those things that get used um you know in terms of things like isolating or you know blame shifting right. what what other things are there okay i can give you numerous things here that's that just examples i'm not saying it's everything so there's verbal abuse so in uh, insulting shouting name calling um, tone of voice, uh, jokes to diminish the victim, coercion, so making a person do something against their will under pressure, threatening, minimizing the victim's opinion, uh, her feelings, denying that they've said or done things, blaming the victim for themselves, for, for their reaction. So I think I said the last time, uh, an abusive person is entitled. If you I, I've got the right to be treated well. If you treated me right, I would not be like this. So it's the victim's fault that he, he's treating her that way. Intimidating, getting too close, um, uh, driving too fast or driving too slow. Mind games, that's massive. So playing playing with her mind in the sense of working away, eroding her ability, her trust in her ability to be able to perceive things. And that whole idea of gas lamping comes in here, gaslighting. Uh, where they just uh, so for example she might look for car keys and they're not where they are she looks everywhere for them they're not where they should be I mean she reports it to the police that they're gone and then she comes home and they're where they always are and she thinks what's happening to me I'm losing my mind 
um, isolation, just what you said there, isolation away from your friends and family, that your support, that kind of another influence. Personal privilege um, in the Christian world, we could be so careful with this, um, where if it's a man abusing a husband, uh, a wife, sorry, um, the whole idea of headship is can be abused in submission. Financial control, uh, not giving enough money to look after the kids in a household, using the children, so abusing them if he's upset at her or turning them against her. Being uh, two personalities would be a nice guy, super spiritual at church, eloquent prayers, scripture readings, and at home, abusive, jealous of her. Um, uh, she can't achieve anything that he doesn't have or get more attention than he gets. And then really important is good periods as well, that, that there can be times when he's great and and everyone thinks that it's everything's better, but in time he'll start abusing her again. And so these are some of the things that are typical, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, how can we in the church, uh, I, I mean, you know, I, I see couples together, and there are times, and I think we've probably all experienced this at one time or another, when you've been in the presence of a couple where, one person in the couple is demeaning toward the other, but you sense very strongly it's not just a harmless joke. You you can right. feel it in your spirit. You know there's more to it. Um, but it seems more often than not that anyone um, who is suffering emotional abuse, any type of abuse, will initially hide that out of fear yes. or out of shame. But for for people in the church who who may sense that something is going on, how can we best be supportive of that person who is experiencing emotional abuse? How can we best help a couple who is going through that um, when we only suspect it? I, I guess what I'm looking for is how can I be sensitive to that and help that person without pushing them to confess what's going on until they're ready to say something? Right. I've been with women who went for help and they were literally shaking with fear and crying. These, these are huge, to talk about abuse is a huge thing. Right? Um, I think that it would be to befriend her and to gently, bit by bit, ask her questions. Um, abuse victims don't say, usually they'll only tell you what they, they'll tell you a little bit and see how you respond and then a little bit more another time so it's, might, but it's not usual that the whole story comes out at once. Um, it could, so you're befriending her, getting her trust, and maybe start asking her questions. Um, but, uh, similar to what I said earlier on, uh, how did he respond to you when you disagreed with him? Uh, when you were home, what did he say about uh, the barbecue that we were at and what Greg said about whatever yeah? to, to, to asking her questions to try and get her to open up but that she really knows that you're, you'll be with her throughout it that you, and that you are trustworthy a trustworthy friend that will stick by her and I, I think we may have covered this a little bit at the beginning of our conversation, Anne, but uh, just to reset, would you mind um, for our listeners this morning to give us a, just a quick rundown of the signs of emotional abuse? What might we recognize in someone else or even recognize for ourselves if we are in that relationship? Just to make sure I'm understanding you right, do you mean the typical kinds of behaviors that right, are involved? Right, right. Right. Yeah. So what I was mentioning earlier on are verbal abuse, coercion and threats, 
minimizing, denying, and blaming, intimidation, mind games, isolation, personal privilege, financial control, using the children, uh, two personalities, like being good guy outside, horrible at home, jealousy, and then good periods. And is there a point where, um, and, and I'll just apply it to either spouse, although we're talking about right. the emotionally abusive husband, but is there a point wherever, as, as you are counseling, that you recommend that spouse who is being emotionally abused uh, leave the relationship, even if it's only for a short time, uh, a separation. How do we handle that in the church? Because I, I think so often, you know, we, we know what God says about marriage. We know that he hates divorce. We, we know that. Right. But so often we tend to stay in a difficult situation out of a sense of guilt. Right. I know there's loads of different opinions in the Christian world about this. Uh, so what I'm saying is just my personal opinion, and people need to do this uh, while speaking to their church leaders. So I don't want to be causing any problems here. You need to talk to your church leader. I personally, with the approval of church leaders, think at times can be helpful for there to be separation and to work intensely with a wife and intensely with a husband, if possible, so that they're getting, so that they're dealing each are dealing with their own issues, and bit by bit working towards bringing them back together if possible um what to, when i i talked about mind games earlier on it can actually be really difficult for someone who's abused to not be with the abuser because they're they're dependent on them and they're thinking they're dependent on them for making choices and how to see life and also in abuse the, the abuser makes the abuse the abuse victim have a huge sense of loyalty. So everything they do has to be out of loyalty to the perpetrator. So they could feel really disloyal and therefore in their thinking sinful, I'm not saying it is, if they make their own decisions or think in a way that might be different than the abuser. So it's really, really needs an awful lot of work and support if they do actually separate for a period of time. Well, and can we talk about some of the effects that happen right. from emotional abuse and the way, you know, there are different ways to handle this. And then, of course, within different church bodies, these things get handled differently. Um, right. And then outside of the church, you know, and, and there has been much change on these, you know, on the thinking oh, yeah. of this, right? Because Wayne Grudem, about two and a half, three years ago, wrote a position why he changed his stance on uh, the justification of divorce in such cases as these, 1 Corinthians 7.15 as his basis, that God doesn't want to see anyone stand for this abuse, right. that this breaks the heart of God. And of course, we know that it does. And so, you know, it's not a, it's, I'm not a proponent of that, of divorce. Uh, I also think that in certain situations, um, separation begets separation, you know, uh, that can actually feed right, sure. to, into that, right? But there are different ways of handling this, but it still unifies, um, the the experience for the person who is abused there is always a list of things that are the effects of suffering abuse at the hands of another person so can right. we help us understand what are some of the effects that a person experiences right so again these are a number of effects if not all um so take a confusion so it's 
emotional abuse, psychological abuse, it's in the mind. So they'll, the victim will be confused and they'll try and figure out what did I do to cause the abuse. Uh, if, and they, they think if I can figure this out, then I won't be abused anymore. But that never works because they're not to blame for the behavior and the, the behavior continues. They can start to doubt, doubt their ability to understand life, to perceive things. Um, fear. Uh, they'll be fearful if if she's told him things in secret. Will he will he uh, tell other people what I've said in secret? What will I do if he leaves me? What what if he beats the children or, or is emotionally abusive to the children? Guilt. I mentioned earlier that he blames her for his behavior. If she accepts that, she'll feel guilty for um, for his behavior. Uh, obviously, all of us are guilty for if we sin ourselves. For our, but we're not responsible or guilty for how someone else treats us. And if she accepts that, she's kind of stuck. Like, what do you do with being having the guilt of someone else's responsibilities? Worried, be worried about what's he going to be like when he comes home. Um, similar to fear, what's he saying and doing behind my back? Uh, maybe how can I? take care of my children, what if, how, how can I pay all the expenses? Inhibition, we were talking earlier on about caring, for, when we suspect that there's things going on in a, in a, in a marriage. Inhibition, so it, it could be someone that used to be vibrant, full of life, and now you see that they're, they've pulled back. Um, they, they're, they're not themselves anymore. They might not share their opinion anymore or just be closed in on themselves in a group setting. Anger, anger at themselves for marrying the guy, for not seeing it, anger at him for the way he treats her, anger at other people for not helping. Sometimes people can be angry at the church, and I'm not blaming the church here, but you might hear that because they, they, they think they're not being helped well. I'm not placing any blame here, just that that's a common thing. Shame, there's a shame is there's something wrong with me. Why, why am I not loved? Why, what's wrong with me that's different than other people? Um, I talked about the mind to so change mental state. So this is where there again the confusion, um, their lack of ability to concentrate. This is where people speak about brain fog. They feel fuzzy in their in their brain. Uh, some people I've tried to help have said that they felt like a zombie at this stage, and that's because they're always trying to think at, like, what does the abuser think? What does he want? Uh, how will they react? What are their desires? And then, uh, and that's where they become emotionally, behaviorally, and mentally dependent on the abuser. Well, you, you mentioned it. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Anne. Go ahead. Physical ailments. We talked. At, you mentioned that slightly in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, headaches, stomach aches, high blood pressure, other things, loneliness in the marriage, but also lack of friendship with people that understand. Sorrow and the, just the grief of being in that kind of marriage is, is incredibly hard and painful and just incredible suffering. And then it could be depression. Um, living in sorrow, anger, fear, guilt can contribute to someone living in depression. So, so these are common effects. And back to what you were saying earlier, how can you notice it? Be I'm not saying someone that say is sorrowful is being abused, I don't mean that, but if, you, if you're if you aware of these things, it can help you be discerning and whether or not these things are going on in your friend's life. And I want to ask you, um, 
I know that there are those, I mean, I, I know there, there's no way that this cannot be true. I know that there are people listening to this radio program right now who are either going through an emotionally abusive situation where they are the person who is abused or it's, um, it's the person who is the abuser. And right. I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think one of the things that the person who may be the abuser um, should be aware of in assessing, hey, am, am I being emotionally abusive, is if they try to, to hide um, what they're saying or doing to their spouse. If they right. don't want anyone else to know, that's a big red flag. But I would like to think that, you know, as the church, we would want a redemptive response for each person in that marriage, the man and the woman. And I, I just am curious what you would say to that person uh, listening this morning that might recognize himself as someone who is being emotionally abusive. Uh, where do they begin to put the brakes on and, and stop what they're doing and, and get help? Because I think you can allow your emotions to become so out of control if you are being abusive towards someone. You may feel justified in what you're doing, right. and that's not true. You're not. Right. I would think it would be fantastic if someone was listening and realized, oh, I, I, I go too far. This is not right. And I would encourage you, think of someone you know and trust and you see this person's a godly person. Um, hopefully a church leader and say I need help could you help me change could you help me grow uh, and say say I've got control issues I, I want help to be a godly husband a godly father please go for help and please speak up the Lord can work in your heart and and you can become the person the Lord wants you to be you know, Anne, I, I would love for you to just share with us a little bit about your background before we jump back into the uh, into the, our topic. Share with us just a little bit about your background and the organizations that you work with. Right. So you can hear quite clearly that I'm not American, I assume. <laughs> I don't come from South Carolina. I'm from uh, Glasgow, Scotland. Um, so I became a Christian there in the Open Brethren Church and had incredibly godly examples in my life. And um, what people people speak about mentor, mentoring or biblical counseling, they did that as a lifestyle. And godly, godly people. Um, and I came to Belgium uh, about 30 years ago, uh, a country with hardly any believers, 0.2% uh, evangelical at the time. And the Bible was a forbidden book up until the 1960s. So very few uh, evangelical believers in the country. Um, um, so I was involved in uh, evangelizing. The idea was church planting, but because people would make decisions for the Lord and they get no biblical background, there were huge problems. And that's how I get into biblical counseling. How can you help this person know Christ and experience change in the real issues of life that are bothering them? So I'm connected with uh, different organizations, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, Overseas Instruction and Counseling, um, the Addiction Connection, and the main ones are with in the biblical counseling world, and, and with Echoes International as my mission group. Outstanding. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do with Overseas Instruction and Counseling. Well, Overseas Instruction and Counseling uh, goes around the world and trains uh, pastors, elders, and those they bring with them about how to help and care for people in their churches. Um, so they go all over the world and do that, and they also have master's programs in biblical counseling in different locations as well. 
That is just outstanding. You know, I, I love your heart for the Lord. I love your heart for the one another of soul care and right. just really loving on people where they are. And as we kind of look toward uh, this conversation and where this um, this really heads, you know, before the break, I was saying that, you know, the the solution ultimately is outside of us. These things, all of these things, whether it's an abuse issue or any number of afflictions that we have, we know that it begins in the heart. That's what the Lord is concerned with, the heart of man. And we cannot fix that ourselves. We cannot overcome these challenges ourselves. We need the intervention of Jesus Christ in our life. Tell us just a little bit about... um, how for the abuser and the abused, how the power of Christ can transform a situation that they find themselves in for hope. Right. When we think about Jesus and what he did on the cross, right, and you think he died on the cross, what did he say? He said it's finished, it's complete, right? So he paid for sin completely and he rose again. So that is tremendous hope for anyone, whatever your background is there is hope because of the completeness of what Jesus did on the cross. There's hope for everyone, right? Um, no one's too bad to be able to change. So the work of the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts makes it possible for change. Um, and so every individual is different. The different the, their response to life, how they live is unique to them but there are similarities as well so if i was meeting with anyone i would want them to be as honest before the lord as possible and according to where they're at and where they're ready to start having them find out what are they what are they thinking what's going on in their heart and by heart i mean their inner being like what am i wanting what am i desiring uh, what am i saying to myself and then writing that down and, and discovering is that anger is that fear uh, is that um guilt and then how did I express this to other people? And then working on that together with that person to be able to help them live in according to who they are in Christ. Mm. That is just the truth. Mm-hmm. That is ultimately what we have to realize is that as image bearers of God, uh, we have got to, through obedience and submission, get into the will of the Lord. And mm-hmm. the will of the Lord right. for no person is to be at the hand of an abuser or to be the abuser over right. someone else. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I wanna I wanna ask you also, I, I know that there are um I'm just thinking of of here in our country, there are quite a number of extremely large churches that have a good deal of resources and maybe even have their own uh, biblical counseling departments or biblical counselors on staff. Uh, seems the majority of churches, however, are mid-sized or smaller, and they don't have that, that kind of financial resource to be able to fund something like that. And oftentimes I find that pastors are fulfilling many roles and uh, quite often the role of counselor, but wh- where? how would you direct um, pastors, and I know we have quite a number that do listen to the program, how would you uh, direct those pastors who recognize that maybe the church that they are shepherding um, is is not doing as well as they would like it to do in the department of counseling others, and especially uh, where emotional abuse is concerned, because if you have a couple, and this is what they're dealing with, if things escalate and it gets really bad between them. Unfortunately, depending on 
other relationships within the church, that kind of thing can can kind of blow your your congregation apart to a degree. So, oh, yeah. what would you how how would you direct pastors listening this morning to um, better serve their congregations in that way, as far as counseling goes, without overwhelming themselves? Um, I know there's someone called Jim Neuheiser who has written some blogs and I believe he's on podcasts on for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. So he's a man, he's a, a, I believe, pastor, I believe. Um, he, that would that'd be one person I would highly recommend to go to, to for pastors to seek advice. I think uh, Jeremy Pierre also wrote a book on When Home Hearts, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> um, he's also a... Um, uh, I'm thinking in Dutch here, that's what happens. Uh, he works at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, he's also someone, a man, a leader uh, to go to for help for, as a church leader, how can I help in abuse situations? Uh, generally for becoming more equipped for uh, helping in churches, I would recommend uh, Association of Certified Biblical Councils for training. But I get what you're saying. People can, these are really complicated situations mm-hmm. and can be overwhelming for anyone. I think it'd be wise for someone to look, okay, this is beyond my normal experience. Uh, who can I go to to get input to, to learn? So I think Jim Newhouse and Jeremy Pierre are two people I'd highly recommend. Outstanding recommendations. Uh, Neuheiser is uh, phenomenal in his uh, work and in his training and yeah. highly respected. You know, um, and you've also got another book about emotionally abusive parenting. I just want to touch on this because, you know, abusive behavior, if it exists within the context of one relationship, always has the potential to exist in other relationships. And so when we look at that, we can see that play out not only maybe in the context of marriage, but it can also play out in a role in the workplace, in the church, even amongst siblings or just friend groups is, is the potential for it as well. But also, so too, then we need to recognize the parent-child relationship. Um, and we want to invite you to come back to specifically talk much deeper on this situation, uh, because there are many people that, in the end, you know, unfortunately, the fallout of the potentially uh, or the potential fallout for an abusive relationship is single parenting. And then if that person carries those traits over, well, often children can become victimized in that situation because now the target just moves. Um, tell us a little bit about what we can see. Uh, maybe in our family circles, we, we can see behaviors and characteristics and traits. Tell us about how this plays out in a parent-child relationship. And then again, we'd love to have you come back and talk uh, to deeper context of this relationship. But in, in general, a high level, what, do, what does that look like, emotionally abusive parenting? When it comes to parent child, the dynamic would be that the instead of a child, uh, sorry, a parent caring for the child and helping the child grow and become the person the Lord wants them to be, the child is there for the parent. So the child is there to make the parent feel important. So it's an extreme selfishness on the part of the parent. So um, that'd be one of the things to look out for is um, who's the child living for. It's, it's not just a sense of uh, honoring their parent, it's beyond that. 
this um, everything they do is in light of their parent and how the image that the parent put- wants people to think of themselves and how they're how they're portrayed. Um, if that if that makes sense, so the 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 parent will have a uh, will behave in a certain way to have a certain image in public, and the child will, will be trying to will be living to keep that image going for the parent, mm. rather than a child living growing up and living to become the Lord, the person the Lord wants them to be. It's and it's, it's going too far with the concept of honouring the parent. Yeah. Mm. And I think so often we we can see that right that that where right. the child becomes in effect uh, takes the place of an adult relationship, and that's just so much pressure upon yeah. that child, and it yeah. really usurps God's purpose as a parent. You know that we are just stewards. That child is made in the image of God with a plan and a purpose for its life, and though we may be an earthly mother or father, ultimately our duty is to steward that child so that they become the person that God has uh, intended them to become. And we, because we're broken, we're messed up, and we're stupid people, can frequently mess that up, Kelly. That is so true. (laughs) That is absolutely true. We all do. Yeah, Yeah, we all do, but go ahead, Ann. Yeah, the difference between all, all, we all sin, we all, at times we say things that are hurtful, we... But there's a difference between the fact that we all make mistakes and need to repent and ask forgiveness and an intention, I'll be careful of that word, uh, um, this way of living that's controlling. That's different. Yeah, there is not one of us, there is not a single one of us that is not broken. There's not a single one of us that is without sin, and every single one of us needs Christ, and there is hope in Him, but we have got to put forth the intentional effort to work toward healing. Uh, we've been talking with Ann Dryberg. She is author of The Emotionally Abusive Husband, as well as The Emotionally Abusive Parent, a biblical counselor. And this has been great. Thank you for spending the extra time with us this morning and kind of picking this apart. We know that so many are dealing with abuse in one way or another in their homes, and it could be any relationship, really, but this helps to shed some light on it. And I hope uh, if this is something that you listening are going through, that this has um, been a light for your path and has given you some courage to speak up and get some help. Absolutely get some help. And thank you. Well, thank you for having me, and I truly hope this has been a help for someone. Well, we will certainly uh, keep you apprised of folks who are going to comment on this conversation. It's an important conversation, uh, unfortunately, one that is needed. And uh, that is ultimately uh, the sad part about this, is that we have to have these discussions. But uh, the fact is, sinful creatures will do sinful things. And until he returns or we enter into his presence, these things will continue and there will always be a need for that. But Anne, thank you for your work and the work of this book and how you have been uh, helping and ministering to others throughout your entire uh, ministry career. Thank you very much, and we're glad to have you back on the program to expound on that parenting aspect as well. So look for our invitation from producer Eric, but until we speak soon, uh, you know, thank you again for joining the program. Oh, thank you for having me. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.